0: I believe that one of the most important days that we celebrate in America is what we know as Memorial Day, the day to remember those who have given the ultimate ultimate sacrifice for our national freedom. In fact, without their bravery and their heroism and their sacrifice, our daily pleasures and freedoms would not be possible. And so this is a day I think, or a weekend or whatever, that we pause and we recognize the great price that has been paid to show our national pride and gratefulness for those who have paid so very much. Now, many Americans and presidents have made their way to the center of Arlington Cemetery where there stands a monument that is beloved by all Americans, I imagine the picture that you see on the screen is a familiar picture to all of us. This, uh, this is the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. It is guarded seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year by the old guard of the United States Army. This monument has engraved on it these words Here rest. In honored glory, an American soldier known but to God. It's hard to view this site without being moved. I've never had the opportunity to be there on the day that they change the guards at the time that they do that and watch that ceremony. I've seen it, of course, on videos and all of that, but I can imagine that to be there in person... I know that Melanie and I had an opportunity to be at two graduations of the Marine Corps and to see the pomp and circumstance and all of the all of the maneuvers and everything that they do is, is phenomenal. And I'm sure to watch on the on the time that they change the guards. It must be an amazing time. Today we make our 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 way to a place in God's Word that has been visited by many believers throughout time and here we will honor whom god has honored and memorialized in his word some of these people would be would also be known but to god but he has erected a monument in his word to the story of his grace in their lives that we too may be able to view that sight and be be moved, be strengthened, and be encouraged. There's two portions of Scripture that I want us to look at this morning. And I want to begin by reading these passages of Scripture in Joshua, the Old Testament. And in chapter 2, it says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Achaia, from Achaia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab's, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I do not know where they were from. And it happened, as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to Jordan to the forts. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came in to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all of the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Ammonites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Gog, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath." Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, our, your life for, our life for yours, if none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she led them down by a rope through the window of her house, for her house was on the city wall, and she dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, Go to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterwards, you may go your way. So the men said to her, "'We will be blameless of this oath of yours, "'which you have made us swear, "'unless when we come into the land "'you bind this line of scarlet cord "'in the window through which you let us down. "'And unless you bring your father, your mother, "'your brothers, and all your father's household "'to your own home, so it shall be "'that whoever goes outside the doors of your house "'into the street, his blood shall be upon his own head.'" And we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our heads if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath which you have made us swore. Then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet cord in the window they departed and went to the mountain and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them among, sought them all along the way, but did not find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain, and crossed over. And they came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed all of the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us." Now, if you turn with me over into the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, and down at verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say for the time shall fail me? to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel, the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdom, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the alien. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mocking. And scourging, yes, and of chains and of imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tor- tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand. Of the throne of god let's pray father thank you for your word i pray that as we look at these portions of scripture this morning that we would see the things that you want us to see that would help us in our walk with you and help us to have boldness to 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 serve you and to share christ with the lost world around us i pray that you would fill me with your spirit that i would say those things that you would have me to say today that you would be glorified through our time together today and, 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 Father, we just, we just want to thank you for so many men and women who so faithfully have served our country and al- allows us to have the freedom uh, it, that we have today to be able to live in this great land. Father, it breaks our heart when we see the way that our country is turning its back on you. And we realize, Father, there might come a day when judgment falls in America. But, Father, we want to be your servants in trying to stem the tide, that we would be able to share Christ with others around us, that we might as a nation turn back to you. And Father, we'll give you the glory for what you're going to do in our lives now today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's my understanding that during Operation Iraqi Freedom, there was a camp known as Camp Wolverine, Iraq. It was not where you wanted to end up. It is not that it's just yet another sandy, forsaken sort of a place in a faraway, war warped country. It is that it was the home of the fourth quartermaster company which the mortuary affairs camp for the United States Army in that area of operation. There was a young soldier there during the days of the operation by the name of PFC Marie Ann Lopez. She served during the Iraqi war and it was her job as a mortuary affairs specialist to identify the remains of those and then become the link in the pain to aid the grieving families back home. During her time of service at Camp Wolverine in 2004, the official count of remains of soldiers was 797. And every time the remains of those soldiers arrived, P.F.C. Lopez did her job with dignity. And yet there came a time when she talked about her job there that you could see through to the human the person behind the uniform, the person behind the job that she had to do. The first time I saw a soldier in the same uniform as me, it was hard, she said. It hits home. And the truth is that the majority of those heroes throughout all of our wars are people just like us, every one of us. Now, statistics rarely move beyond the cognitive awareness of what has gone on, but stories of people like us hit home, don't they? They are people who were plumbers and mechanics and bankers and nurses and housewives and sons and fathers and, 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 and f- our neighbors next door. Their lives seem to be unworthy of such honor. To be called American heroes. They're just simple people like us. But we know it's true. They are heroes. And thus it, it is with our faith as well. The Bible speaks, of, speaks in Hebrews 11.38 about those of whom the world is not worthy. Those which a world would count as unworthy of honor, God honors And Hebrews 11 is a a veritable hall of heroes for faith. The names of those memorialized in Hebrews chapter 11 includes names like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Sarah and Moses. But beginning in verse 30 of chapter 11, the author of the book of Hebrews makes a shift and he includes people whose names are almost hidden in the pages of Scripture, people whose names would be unfamiliar to many Christians and certainly to those who have very little knowledge of the Bible. But these people are special to us, like PFC Lopez. When I see them before me living lives so much like my own. It hits home, she said. And that is precisely what God wants to do with this passage of scriptures. The aim of this section of God's word is to encourage you in your faith. Heroes of faith are just people like us. The ones that we read in the scriptures, they're no different than you and me. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 30 to 32, we see the utterly unknown names of Barak and Jephthah mingled along with the names of spiritual giants who many of us recognize like Gideon and David. Those stand out. But it all starts with this woman in verse 31, a woman by the name of Rahab. Let's listen to the story of her life and let's learn the lessons Of God's grace and then let's look at the author of our faith so we're going to start this morning by by listening to her story the phrase of whom the world is not worthy is a condemnation of the world and its inability to grasp the power of God at work in the most common of lives It is reminiscent, really, of Paul's uh, analysis of God's glorious ways when he said in 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven: But God chose what is foolish in this world to shame the wise, and God chose what is weak in this world to shame the strong. So God has elevated what man has despised, and God has commended us as, as examples, those whom the world would throw on the ash heap of history. And so let's begin by considering her past. When we we look at her past and we look at Joshua and we look at the book of Hebrews, we see that in both of those cases, it says that Rahab was a harlot. She was a prostitute. The Greek word in Hebrews and the Hebrew word in Joshua both revealed that her identity was the epitome of sin and shame for a woman. She was was a harlot, a woman of the night, a prostitute. She was a woman who operated a sort of inn at the very wall of the city of Jericho. But the passage is, is clear. She was a woman living in sin, a woman with a past, a woman... Living off of the sins of others, a woman on the edge, a throwaway life, if you will, unable to be redeemed. Besides all of that, she was she an was a, a Amorite. Her name, in fact, is derived from Ra, who is the name of an Egyptian god. In other words, she was a member of an idolatrous people who had left the one true god many generations before and who by this time were about to be destroyed because of the moral decadence which had polluted the very land that they lived in. Rahab was not only condemned by the law of God, but also, no doubt, she was abhorred by her, her very own pagan people. And yes, there were many that would come and, and use her services, and yet, in a public sense, they would abhor what she was doing. But the Lord had his heart set on this Amorite prostitute. As Jesus stood for the woman that was caught in sin in John chapter 8. He stood for this woman as well. And her past in no way could indicate the glorious future that God held for her. So we learn more about Rahab and more about what God has for us when we consider her plot. The dramatic real-life tale of Rahab and the Hebrew spies surpassed any military espionage novel that Tom Clancy could ever have dreamed of writing. The two spies that were sent out by Joshua with a mission to (laughs) conduct covert operations inside of the enemy territory, and for no no reason explained, they found shelter inside of a harlot's home. Why would they go there? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to us why they would go to her house. They obviously did not go there as other unscrupulous men went there. But they went there, no doubt, to discover what was really going on from a woman who probably knew the highs and the lows alike of the land and what all was happening Now, we're not told, but for whatever reason, they took cover there. Their plan was compromised. And as you look at Joshua, let's flip back there to Joshua again. And and we look there in in verse number 3 of chapter 2, they are discovered. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house for they have come to search out all of the country. And so the king of Jericho, now it's interesting, he finds his life and he finds his nation now in a negotiation with a prostitute. Imagine that. we got to go to the prostitute to negotiate this thing. He ordered her to hand over the men. And so a troop is sent out to seize the men, but Rahab, in a wartime act, Covered the truth of the matter, concealed the spies under stacks of flask, drying out on her roof, and sent the Amorite Gestapo in a wild goose chase. She said they're they're out there. A deal then is made because of her aid um, because of her aid to Israel when they come into the land if they see a scarlet cord hanging in her window, it was a sign of her covenant with the spies, and Israel would not destroy her home or her family. The spies and the plan were secured, and and God's promises were carried out, all because of this woman's plot. And so when the battle When Joshua fit the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down, Rahab and her family were saved. Verse 30 and 31 of Hebrews 11, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies. The writer of Hebrews is testifying that first, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled by seven days. And in the very next verse, he shows that it was because of the faith of Rahab that allowed that great event to take place. In the end, what others see as a red cord in a harlot's house is seen by Israel as a sign very much like the blood of the lamb on the doorpost when Israel escaped the land of Egypt. This was a sort of a Passover experience, if you will, for this woman and all of those who would be inside of her house, an unmistakable scarlet sacrament of life in a monochrome threat of annihilation. And so we consider her profession. Now, I'm not talking here about her old profession in the inn and what she did there inside of the city, but I want to talk about the key to the story of Joshua chapter 2 and verses 9 to 13, Rahab's profession of faith. If you notice there in verse 9 of chapter 2 of Joshua, I know that the Lord has given you this land. That is a profession of faith. I know the Lord has given you this land. And for the Lord your God... He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. The passage is staggering in its transparent portrayal of the gospel. The former harlot believes in her heart that there is a God and that he is the only way for her to be redeemed, to literally be saved from the enemy. And so her faith leads her to works of righteousness out of worship for this God, not to save her, but in a way of worshiping God. So out of a heart's cry for her own salvation, she enters into a covenant with the Lord through God's people, turning her back on her old way of living and turning to the living Lord of life. And in it, all, of, all, all there is that scarlet cord hanging from her window. The scarlet sign in her window because the token of her faith, a sort of sacrament that she was identified not with the Amorites, but with the Israelites. And Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, by faith are ye saved. And her faith saved her life and God accounted her faith to righteousness and saved her soul. So make no mistake about it, this woman was trusting in all of the promises of God. She was not trusting in herself. She had turned to God. She believed God. She believed what God had been doing and she put her faith in God. She was turning to God trusting in him to cover her sins, trusting that he would cover her past, that he would secure her future and her family. No longer would she be a woman of sin. She would become a woman of faith. And and as we read that and we think about the story in Joshua, We can hear the Apostle Paul echoing all through that story, can't we? I mean, in Romans chapter 4 and verse 16, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And then in Romans chapter 9 and verse 8, Those who are the children of the flesh, These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. And in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So through her profession, this woman with a past now becomes a woman with a place. The Gentile whore was made an Israelite heroism heroine, a saint, a daughter of the living God, precious and righteous in her side, in his sight. So let's consider her place. Not only is she mentioned in Hebrews and in, 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 in Joshua, but she is also, she also ends up in a very remarkable section of scripture. And, and, and maybe you've overlooked it in this particular section of Scripture because it has a lot of names of a lot of families that sometimes are hard to read. Her name, the name of this woman of sin who sided with God's people, ends up memorialized in Matthew chapter 1. And there we read her name listed as the mother of Boaz who married Ruth, the grandmother of King David, and in the direct lineage of the Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the world that is in unbelief, the world that would have accused her for her sin, would not be worthy of her, says the Lord. Now before we close our message today, I want to just tell you that there are blessings from God for us in this woman of God and so there are lessons that we can learn lessons of God's grace so number 1 by faith in Jesus Christ human beings are valued and we learn that very clearly here whoever they are whether they have done whatever they have done there is value in hu- human beings like rahab behind every every broken sinful person is also a very real person a very real human being in need of the love of God. No one here can claim moral superiority over anyone else here. We are all level before the Lord, all human beings in need of Christ's righteousness, and as someone once said, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all come to the same point. The church is filled with this kind of people. So Paul Paul would Chronicle a list of sins of the worst kind and then say, and such were some of you. Number two, by faith in Jesus Christ, human pain and sorrow may become transmuted into godly gain. Rahab's story would not be there if it were not for the pain that was in her life. In Christ, our broken past becomes the fuel for the testimony of grace. In fact, the very things which seem to destroy us become the, the instrument God uses to transform our lives. For so Paul taught us that when I am weak, then am I strong. Number three, by faith in Jesus Christ, the worst sinners may become the greatest saints. I mean, look at, look at Rahab. Rahab was a great sinner, but Christ was a great Savior. And so it is for all of us. For so Christ taught us that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And then also by faith in Jesus Christ, our, our painful fa- past is no indicator of a painful future. In fact, God will redeem our painful past and use us use it to send us into a glorious future. In fact, the prophet Joel spoke to, to a people that, that were recovering from the judgment of God against their sin, a people who had been ravaged by the locusts. And in Joel chapter 2 and verse 25, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. understand that there was a certain artist who, who rummaged through the junkyards and would find what others had discarded. And he would locate the broken glass or a twisted piece of steel or abandoned toaster or wrecked piece of, of junk and he would take it home to his studio and there with the eye of a master, he would make what the world has left behind and shape it into a piece of art that would in fact literally sell for millions. And so it is with the Lord of grace. He moves even this day across the landscape of our generation, which has been so devastated by pain, and he seeks what the world has discarded. This Lord of grace locates the broken saints and the twisted stories of family life and the abandoned dreams of lost people and the poorest of the poor who are but pieces of junk to a world that... Christ's beauty and fame, and he takes them all to himself, for he too was rejected. He too was abandoned on the cross on Good Friday. He too was left in a grave for three days, but this Christ, who was raised from the dead by the power of God, reforms and reshapes and gives eternal life to the abandoned people of this world." And they may, become, they, they, they may become the prized and, and invaluable sons and daughters of the king. And in their stories are not stories of great power, but stories of great loss, redeemed by this beautiful Lord of grace. And maybe today you're thinking that you're beyond repair. Maybe you are, are tortured by the pain of a broken family or maybe you, you look back at life. All, all you see is mistake after mistake after mistake and now you're setting in the sunset of a life that condemns you as being unfit for heaven. And I'm here today to tell you that the story of Rahab is here for you. Let this story be a giant memorial And engraved in the memorial stones are the words, of whom the world is not worthy. Then we will begin to understand the glory of this passage and all all of the story of its grace. For in Christ Jesus, he who redeemed her and put her in the royal lineage of the Savior will redeem you and make you an heir of the kingdom of Christ we would have to agree that we are all Rahab. We are not only born sinners as sons of Adam and daughters of Eve, but we have all prostituted ourselves. We've sold ourselves into sin by our malicious hearts towards other, our pride before God, the lust of our eyes, and the lust of the flesh. And Paul says... Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spreads to all, we, all men, because all sinned. We need to now look at a new author, the author of our salvation. In the last two verses that we read here this morning in Hebrews chapter 12, in verses 1 and 2, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our, our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here we see how The writer makes the transition from chapter 11 in the Hall of Heroes of Faith to now show the reader how we are surrounded ourselves by this gray cloud of witnesses in order to run the race of faith that we are in. We see them around us, Abraham and Sarah and Rahab and and David and all of them great sinners who who called on a great savior who became great people of faith. People just like us. No different than us, but they cried out to a great savior. All of these, all of this is given that we might be free from the accusation of self and the accusation of Satan and the accusation of the world. What God has called clean, let no no man call unclean. You are saved. Do not let sin have dominion over you anymore. Do not let your past sin accuse you as you run this race of faith. And how do you do that? Well, we are told in the second verse by looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You will not advance in your faith by looking back at the pain of your past, but by looking at the greatness of Jesus. That's how we move forward. Jesus, the great, great grandson of Rahab, who bore his grandmother's sin on Calvary, Jesus, the great, great grandson of a harlot, who, though he was without sin, became sin, that we who are sinners might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, the great, great Savior of sinners, who was punished by God for our sins, that we might be set free from the bondage of sin. Jesus, the great, great one who led the captives free and and who now rules a kingdom, receiving sinners whom he calls saints from his throne in heaven. We all know that a ship struggling for safety in the midst of a, of, of a great storm at sea does not find her way back to the shore by looking back into the storm out at the sea, but by looking to the light on the seashore. And you and I will not recover from the storms of the past or the wounds of our sins by looking back into the storm or by focusing on the wounds or our pain, but only by focusing on the gospel of grace, the author and finisher of our our salvation. And when you reach those shores, you will be met by Rahab's boy, the everlasting son of God, who is the light of this world. And you will then to the glory of Jesus, come into a company of Rahab and Gideon and Barak and Samson and Paul and Peter and all of the other nameless and countless others who by faith in Jesus Christ became people of whom the world was not worthy. Let's pray.